Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. In a few moments, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. If you want to go ahead and turn over there, and uh, we'll also be in Romans chapter 5 for just a couple of verses, but and uh, my hope is to get there pretty, pretty quick. So, uh, you know, what does it mean to have character? I, I would say it's a, an important question because uh, character doesn't seem to have the same merit that it used to. Certainly, we don't have the same agreement of what character is. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be super negative right off the bat, but it seems like to me our culture could use a little more character. There's a lot of a lot of answers, a lot of answers to that question. Some people say character uh, is what you are in the dark, or when you know when no one is looking. Some people may say character is who you identify with. We've talked a little bit about that uh, in our you know postmodern world of of logic. You can actually identify as a person of character and not even really have any. You know, it's it's what you it's what people think you are. It's what you, you pretend to be that really matters, not what, not what you truly are. Essentially, character is the essential qualities that we demand in other people, but we do not require of ourselves. Christian character, on the other hand, is in, I mean, a boiled down version, is uh, essentially it's being like Jesus Christ. So we talk about uh, like a character that the world looks at and appreciates versus the, the Christian character. Christian, you know, like, like worldly character, you could say, well, I want to be like that person and, or that person, or I want to have the patience of that person. They, I was asked to speak at my college graduation, and, uh, and what I did and, you know, was really didn't say much uh, because I, I used my professors as the full illustration and, uh, and I pointed to them and the guys that had spoke into my life, and I was able to say, you know, as, as a pastor, I want to have the patience of this teacher and the education of this teacher and the grace of this teacher and, and kind of work my way through because each one of them had a different, a different thing that I was looking at that I would kind of like to emulate in my, in my Christian walk. But, you know, we can do that in worldly character, but honestly, in Christian character, there is only one definition, and that is the essential qualities of of, of, of Jesus Christ, who, who he is and what he is. And so our purpose and our goal in Christian character is to become so one with Christ that when other people see us or could tell what we're thinking, they would be able to see Jesus Christ. That's what it means in the Bible when it says that we are hidden with Christ in God, that when the world sees us, they see Jesus. When they hear us, they hear Jesus. When we act, they experience Jesus. We are an extension of who he is. And, and we can say, well, Christ, you know, Christian means that we're followers of Christ. Christian means that we're acting as his ambassadors, his representatives. We are essentially working in his place and he in us and we in the world. So how do we get this Christian character? You know, I will tell you how I would like to get it, and I have a petition if you'd like to sign it. 
Uh, it simply is God just zaps it into us. That's, that's, how I, that's how I would like for it to work. You know, you become a Christian and he just zaps it in. Oh, boy, now I don't have to work on it at all. So if you'd like to sign that, see me after church, and we'll, uh, we'll get that to him as soon as we can. But it doesn't work that way. We don't get a vote on how Christian character works. It's very, very clear. Now, God gives us a very new nature. And the scripture talks a lot about the new nature and the old nature. So God gives us a new nature, but we're still saddled with the old nature. We still have to do battle with who we were. Paul talks about this from time to time. But our new nature has within it every opportunity to win, to thrive, to grow, to develop, to be essentially Christ in this world. So God gives it to us, but we also have to partner with him and use it. So, okay, well, what's the point of the new nature if we still have the old nature? Well, before I had the new nature, I was a slave to the old nature. I I couldn't make my own choices. I had to do what the old nature commanded me to do. At least now, with the new nature, I can go to war with tools that win. It's spectacularly much better. You remember, if if you set your mind on the flesh, what? Death. If you set your mind on the spirit, life and peace. Some of you are doing it. That's good. So I just want to stop for a moment and say, if you have not submitted your life to Jesus Christ, you, you're working without tools. You know, and, and, and I know everybody knows that you know, character wins and we should have character. But if you've not submitted your life to Jesus Christ, if you've not asked him to save you, if you've not pledged your allegiance to him, you are powerless to build character. Because his strength and his ability is the only foundation that there is to build on. So God gives us in that moment of conversion the nature of Christ but he does not zap it into us. He makes it available and desirable, but we have to partner with him. Remember what uh, Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, but you building what? Yourself up in the most holy faith. Whose responsibility is it to build you up in your most holy faith? God gives you the faith, but it's your responsibility to build yourself up in it. It's pretty clear, this partnership. And so every man becomes the architect of their own character. Everybody wants to blame their circumstances or blame their background or blame this or blame that for why they're not what they want to be. But the truth of the matter is every one of us design what we're going to be. Now, the Bible teaches us that it, for anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. We believe that. The old has gone and the new has come, meaning the power of that. I am not, do not by any means do I ever have to choose the flesh. But we have to learn what to put off and what to put on. Most people who know anything about Christianity know that there's supposed to be a change, a a transformation in our spiritual nature immediately. But there is also a change and a transformation in in our character development of who we are becoming. So to be a Christian means to follow Jesus, to strive to be like Jesus. 
And I know I I talk about this a lot, but it is so important for us to recognize that being a Christian is not making a decision about who Jesus is. Being a Christian is about emulating Jesus Christ. It's about being like him, thinking like him, having his nature manifested in our day. So how does it happen? Well, I think sometimes, again, we have this this idea that it's a miraculous one, but the miraculous thing that God does is give you the opportunity. But character development is not miraculous. It takes a life, but it's not miraculous. We've talked about what God has done and, and how he has allowed us to think differently, allowed us to feel differently, allowed us to relate differently. That's been the last three weeks. But today, we're going to talk about how God allows us and gives us every tool to be able to develop a new character. Now, God tells us how all of this, you know, he gives us, he gives us uh, the framework and, and the pathway to all of this, but he does not do it for us. And so often what we reduce to do is we know what, you know, we read, we read Jesus enough to be able to see that we're not quite like him. And we can say, well, what are we supposed to be? And Paul kind of puts it in a little, in a little pill form, you know, and we, we focus on the fruit singular of the spirit. So these are the things that the, that the spirit produces Entirely, It doesn't produce one of them at a time. It's like this is what the Spirit looks like. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, you know, self-control. These, these are the things, and so we start focusing on those. And how many of you can, like, regularly see all nine of these fruit of the Spirit? Like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I pretty much manifest the fruit of the Spirit all the time. Anybody? Can we get the lights up? Okay, well, lying is uh, not, not one of them. So <clears throat> I wouldn't say that to just anybody, Jolene. Um, only Jolene. Yeah, so we, we focus on the fruit of the Spirit. And if you were to focus on the fruit of the Spirit only as proof of salvation, I think most of us would go, whew, sometimes I don't even know if I'm really saved or not. How many of you, if you were to evaluate the essence of the fruit of the Spirit, it would cause you to wonder if you were truly saved? Maybe that's a different question. Anybody be, yeah, the same point. You can't answer this. And I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's definitely me. You look at the fruit of the Spirit and you say to yourself, you know, I don't feel loving right now. How could a Christian not be loving, you know? Or I'm not patient right now. So when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, God begins to actually work in you. So the, the goal of knowing if you're a Christian or not, or if you're developing Christian character or not, I want to just take a moment and explain it this way. The fruit of the Spirit is proof of Christian character. It's not the Christian character itself. It's the fruit of Christian character. It's the fruit of the work of the Holy Spirit. And so if you only focus on the fruit, you're probably going to get a little bit of a confused, you know, where am I at any given moment? So I would just, I'm going to encourage you, just kind of take your eyes off the fruit for a moment. And let's think about the pathway that God shows us that we, that's necessary in order to get to the fruit, right? You don't just go out in a, you know, in the, in the field and start picking up fruit. I mean, the fruit has to be developed, so if you look at the fruit and don't focus on the development of the fruit, well, that's, that's a terrible way to live. And so one of the things that I wrote down here is Christian character, and this is hard, is developed in the dark and in private. All right? It's not who you are in the dark. That's when Christian character is developed. 
is in the dark and when you're all alone. That's, that's, that's a good indication of who you are and what you are becoming. So when you receive Christ as your personal Savior, God begins to work. And, you know, you, you know this, nobody is born full grown. And so God allows certain things in your life to grow you, to strengthen you, to develop you, to deepen you. And what he is doing is he is building a life of Christian character in you. You know, and by the way, there are many things, and all of us could testify to this, there are things that we would not ask for that God requires us to go through to develop us in ways that we would not develop otherwise. You know, he supplies to help us. He also promises his presence to be with us too. Sometimes you don't experience his presence. You have to believe by faith that he is there. But in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says that, and we cling to this a lot, but he who has begun a good work in you will perform it. And that word perform actually means execute. He will do that thing. He will bring what his plan is to pass. He that begun a good work will execute it. Salvation is not the finished product. Listen to me, church, and I, and I say this from a place of love. If you're going to live your Christian life because you've made a decision to follow Jesus, that will not be enough to sustain you through valleys and difficulties and troubles and turmoil. It will not be enough. If you are clinging to Christ because you made a decision or you think that you're going to heaven because you made a decision, you will always slide back into the old nature every time, and you'll begin to do battle with the old nature, and you'll have some good days, and you'll have some bad days, and your entire Christian experience is going to be a roller coaster, and that is not the life that God called us to. Your salvation experience is not the decision that you check. The decision to follow Jesus Christ is the beginning of God's work in you. And when he begins a work in you, he will complete it and perform it and execute it in you. And so this is so important for us to understand as Christians that the daily walk with Jesus is as important as that momentary decision that you made when you said yes to him. In fact, that is the yes. Now, some of you may not recognize that. You say yes to Jesus because you don't want to go to hell. Anybody, did you make a decision to follow Jesus because you didn't want to go to hell? I'll be honest. That's, that's dead on. I did not want to go to hell. But perfect love casts out fear, right? And so as I've learned to love him and see perfect love, I'm not afraid of hell anymore. Now, I want to be able to glorify God with my everything because of all that he is for me. I'm not a Christian because I'm afraid of hell. I'm a Christian because I want to be with Jesus. And I want to be with Jesus. I want to be like the people I want to be with. And so I want to be more and more like Jesus because I want to be able to give him his greatest glory. And I know that is true for, for, for all of us, or I hope that is true for all of us. So let's look down here at Romans chapter 5. I'm going to look at verses 3 and 4. It should be on the screen in a moment. But Paul says this to the church at Rome, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now, I will tell you that when Paul wrote that to Rome, they probably had never read that before because that is not common sense. We glory in tribulations. This is new news, okay? What he's doing is setting them up to say, from now on, this is the new normal. But we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations works what? Patience. Patience produces what? Perseverance or experience. And experience what? Character. Character to hope. Good. 
We're all not using the same translation, so uh, that's okay. That's all right. We're getting that. We're gonna, it's going to make sense for us all in a minute. So God actually allows pressure in our life. Pressure isn't proof of God's disapproval. Pressure is actually proof of opportunities for character development, Christ-like character development. And the word tribulation can actually be translated pressure, tribulations. So it's a word that was used uh, in uh, the ancient world for the, the crushing of grapes in a vat. Uh, it was also used of crushing olives for oil. And so it's, it's interesting that what Paul is telling the Romans here, who very, very much understood how that worked, that God actually puts us in a vat and tramples us. I mean, that's a pretty dismal picture, really, and we don't like to think of God doing that. But, yeah, of course, God's going to allow pressure to be in our life. The world allows pressure to be in my life. But you know what? When you want to, when you want to, to experience you know, the, the fruit of the vine, you want, you want that fresh, pressed grapes. If you want, like, extra virgin, uh, virgin olive oil, you want, like, the olives need to be pressed. There's some good that comes from that. And so what God does is he allows the circumstances of our life to press the flesh out of us. And obviously there are things that you go through that reveal things to you that you wouldn't have had revealed to you otherwise. It's character development. You got to go through suffering. You got to go through difficulty. There are things you think you know. And we're going to talk about this in a moment. There's things you think you know. There's things you can communicate to people. There's truths you can communicate. But they may not form you into being more like Jesus Christ until you go through them. But when you get crushed and squeezed and pressed and go through tribulation, you begin to look a little bit more like Jesus. Think a little bit more like Jesus. You begin to feel a little bit more like Jesus. Your sensitivity is a little more, a little more heavenly. And so your flesh gives out, and you can learn to depend upon the Spirit. And when you're being pressed, when the world, when the tribulation's pressing you, you begin to lean on the Spirit a little more. Your, your prayers begin just to be a little bit more raw. You're, you're seeking out the Scriptures a little bit more intense, and your prayer life just deepens just a little bit more. And on the other end of the tribulation, you learn that His way is much better than, than our way. These are not obstacles that God asked His people to go through. They're opportunities to reveal Christ through a person who has said yes. There are things that God has engineered to build himself into our life. The Bible also teaches that God wants to work a character quality in us called patience. Now that word patience is not like, I mean, it's a good translation. I'm not taking, I mean, again, who, who am I to question translation? But, but the word is, uh, is written in passive voice. You know, when we think of patience, we typically think of someone who's just waiting their turn. Uh, that, is, that is not the word patience. Patience means that while you're waiting your turn, you are enduring, right? You're not just passive. You're actually constant, steady, stable. When things aren't going your way, you're steady. You know, like the, the negative circumstances of life don't shake you. And you start getting anxious and you start over-responding and, and getting over-anxious and over-bothered. Over and so, you know, what are some reactions in your life when trouble comes? 
one of the greatest markers of our faith and our confidence and our character being formed of us is our ability to endure when things are not going our way. To be able to model Christ when he was being led like a a sheep to the slaughter. But he didn't defend himself. And he didn't buck. The word experience translated in a lot of translations as the word character. And it has the idea uh, or the, the idea of the word purity. Again, I'm not going to teach this very, very deeply. But it, in, again, well, as it does today too, it's like a taking gold or silver and putting it in the fire and refining it until it was pure. It speaks of a character that has gone through the refining process and the experiences tribulations and goes through the crushing and perseveres with patience. And God begins to burn off all of the things that don't belong. The, the dross, if you will, and the flesh to remove the things that used to be a distraction. He takes them away entirely. There's not a person in here who wants that. I mean, you know, many of us, I say many of us don't want that, uh, that, that refining process. But you know what? It is so good. And once you experience the purity of God, it is so worth it. But, but I want God to continue to work in my heart and life until he burns out all of the flesh because as long as I'm going to be saddled with the old nature, I want it to have as limited power over me as it possibly can. They say that a refiner of silver and gold knows that the dross is off when it can look in and see the reflection. And I believe that that's what God does in this refiner's fire for us is as he purifies us through tribulation and endurance, he wants to be able to see his own reflection in our life as the dross is removed. He wants to be able to see the image of his son Jesus in our lives as we think and as we feel and as we process. The last thing that Paul says is hope. Hope doesn't mean to wish. And when I say last, listen, don't get any big ideas. That's, that, that's just here. Uh, yeah, so I don't want you to say, well, he said. Hope, hope doesn't mean wish or desire. It means the assurance based on the word of God and the character of God. So when we go through pressures and tribulations and we go through afflictions and, and we come out on the other side, we have learned that God is faithful. Amen. How many of you have not gone through difficulties and not be more aware that God is faithful? You know, what God has said, God will do, right? Amen. And so, I, you know, Jesus Christ is hope. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says it best. I think it says, we, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Uh, hope is the thing that holds us steady. All right, so this is God's part in character development. Now, what I, I want to make a summation statement by saying this. God often does not use mountaintops in order to grow us. If you were to sign a petition, that may be what you want. Is, is God use mountaintops only to develop my Christ-like character? God does not use mountaintops to create Christ in us. Uh, he uses valleys. Now, he gives us mountaintops so that we can celebrate and so that we can abide and so that we can process and so that we can get our breath from time to time. But you know what? Then it's back to the valley. And then the valley is where we learn that God is faithful. It's in the valley where we learn endurance. It's in the valley where we learn tribulation. It's in the valley where we learn hope. 
Who would want the valley? Nobody wants the valley. But listen, the valley isn't the goal. Christ-likeness is the goal. Being like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, feeling like Jesus, that's the goal. Life is full of growth opportunities, and we need to recognize that God is manifesting every one of those. All right, let's shoot over to Colossians chapter 3. Take a deep breath. Kind of reframe. I'm going to go through this quick. I'm going to read beginning in verse 1. If I say we're almost done, will you listen faster? Verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God, for when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. You've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to I just, just break a couple of things out of this passage and then we're going to pray together. But here are some changes that are absolutes in the life of a Christian if they're going to experience Christ-like character. The first one is in verse 1. And I want you to circle the word if. That word can be translated either if or since. And it doesn't matter which way you translate it here. Context usually determines, but it doesn't matter here. It means exactly the same thing. It's not conditional as much as it is the evidence of what is already real. And this is the first stop, a change of vision. Most people want to know if their faith is enough. But what does, what does Paul say here to the church at Colossae? Seek first. Seek the things that are above. So, so let me ask you, in your development of Christ-like character, seek first the things that are above. That's the first change that must take place in Christian character is what are you looking at? What are you looking to? What are you looking for? 
What are you looking around and through to be able to see on the other side? How do you, what is your worldview? How are you experiencing life? What are your goals? What are your objectives? When the world begins to happen around you, what do you do with it? What's the first things that you go to and to begin to look at for security? Bank accounts, relationships, vacations, running away? What, what are the first things that you look at for hope and for peace and for endurance? What does Paul say? Seek the things which are above. In every breath, above is the objective. And if you will begin to look to Jesus to be everything at all times, it'll begin to rearrange your whole character. It'll begin to align with the new nature. You'll begin to shift from the temporary thinking to the eternal thinking. How does this impact eternity? How does this situation impact their eternity? This thing that I'm processing right now, how is it going to impact people that, so that it matters? This thing that somebody just brought to me, how can I direct them toward the eternal? Seek things which are above if you have been raised with Christ. Verse 2. Set your mind on things that are what? You seeing a pattern beginning to develop here? Seek first things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. The things you look at, the things you're paying attention to, the way you're processing, the worldview that you have, and then also the time that you spend in your head. What are you telling yourself? The things that you're thinking. Set your mind on things that are above. And better than that, not on the things that are on the, in the world. Don't try to figure out politics and don't try to figure out world governments and don't try to figure out what we should be doing at war. I can tell you there's a better way. Set your mind on things above and you will live above those things. It's a whole nother plane, a whole nother way of living, whole nother processes. Turn off the news and open the word and you'll begin to think differently. And when you think differently, you'll see differently. You're never going to you're never going to think differently. You're never going to think differently if you don't see differently. That's why Paul says this is the first step. You got you got to got to get your mind on eternity. You got to you got to set your mind on Jesus. You got to see the author and finisher of our faith. You got to see Jesus. Where's he at? Seated at the right hand of God. You know what? You're looking at death right now. But you know what? I can either look at death or I can, in that very exact same circumstance, I can see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. You may be looking at some job change or some economic loss, or you may be looking at some relationship trouble, and you can see that if you want to. Or you can see Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, the place of power and the place of control, who is orchestrating all things for a Christ-like character to come. Let me tell you something. When you see Jesus, when you see through your circumstance and see Jesus, there is just a peace that takes over. And all of a sudden, you remember, you're not in control of this. He is. And I know him. I don't know myself, but I know him. And it'll begin to change the way I think. But if you're focused on Jesus, if you're focused on heaven, and you discover that you have a real hunger and a real thirst for the eternal, 
it, 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 begins, it begins to change. It just begins to change your character. What do you say in verse five? First part of verse five. Put to death. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And what does that mean? Well, I mean, a lot of times Paul would call it the old nature. The things that are earthly, where, is, where are the things that are earthly? Out here? No, you've already, you've already addressed that. Now you're battling the person that's in here. You're battling habits. You're battling your old character. You're battling negative ways of thinking. You're, you're, you're battling coping mechanisms. You're battling all sorts of things. So put away all, no, don't put it away. Put it to death. If you just set it aside, it's going to come back. Put it to death. I always make sure that it's dead, those things that are earthly. We're talking about creating new instincts, new impulses, new ways of responding, new ways of coping, new, way, new habits that are being cultivated during difficulty. I mean, you think about, look, he said, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. That's a pretty ominous list, and there's not a person in here that don't do battle with those things. We look at him, we say ominous, but there's not a person in here. And we're not ominous. Yes, we are. That's why these things have to be put to death. And you don't have to work hard to produce these things. They, in fact, don't work at all. And these things will be produced. This is the description of the old part, of the old, part the old man, the old self. It's who we are apart from Christ. And, and for some, it may be who you are when you're all alone, when you're processing things all alone, when you're in the dark or nobody's around. Who are you? Are you Christ in the dark? Or are you kind of hoping nobody finds out who you are in the dark? As long as people think I'm something, I can get, I can get there later. That's, that's going to be a part of my development later. And Paul goes even on further and says, now you put, a, put them all away. And he, I mean, all of them, holistic healing here. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Notice these first things were cultivated in the heart. These things are actually coming out of the mouth because everybody knows what comes out the mouth began in the heart. Whatever little bit you leave, it's going to corrupt the new self. And I can tell you, you, you can begin to do behavior modification and you can say, whew, I got to work on my anger. I got to work on my anger. And you know what? You can sit down, you can be passive and you can be patient and you can avoid arguments and you can avoid long lines and you can avoid road rage. You can, you can go different directions and you can go to different stores and you can avoid your, you know, the, your, your enemies and you can work on your anger. But the next time it's tested, what happens? Boom. There it is. Why? Because you, you are powerless to fight against the old nature. You're powerless. The only way to fight it is to, is to put it to death and to allow Christ to reign in its place. And you can't let Christ reign if you're not forming new habits, forming new habits because you are feeling new thoughts and or feelings and thinking new thoughts and looking First unto Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father. And I can tell you that muscle memory, what will happen is you might focus over here on the new nature, 
But I'm telling you, muscle memory, it, it, that boy, it snaps right back. Christian character cannot be formed without Christ. And again, I don't want to be an old codger. I really don't. I want to live with life and peace. But I can tell you, the world is not getting a great picture of what Christ-like character looks like from Christians today. They're not getting, they don't see it. They don't see it. They look at failure. They look at churches fighting. They look at churches failing. They look at church people talking about the same things, watching the same things, listening to the same things, feeling the same things as they do. There is no stark contrast between Christian character and good people. And we're not good people. We're supposed to be God people. And it's supposed to be a stark contrast between us and the world. Look what he says in verse 10. Put on the new self, which is being renewed. How is it being renewed? In knowledge. Now, let me tell you, this is very important. Knowledge, information, content by itself will never make you like Jesus. How do I know that? Because the people that Jesus got the most frustrated with were the people who knew the most. Knowledge does not form Christ in you. Sitting in church does not form Christ in you. Sitting in Sunday school classes does not form Christ in you. However, without that knowledge, it, there's no Christ formed in you either. But knowledge isn't the goal. Christ-likeness is the goal, right? We have to study. That's why we want to offer as many opportunities as we can for you to collectively spend time in the Word together with one another as iron sharpens iron. It's so important not to just sit in church, but to be practicing this knowledge and working that out in each other's lives. It is so important. But we sometimes have a very distracted, uh, erroneous image from our, our logic, our rationale. You know, if you, if you begin to have got conversations with people about Christian things, but they don't use the scripture, they start getting into logic and, well, yeah, but I think, and well, I feel, and, and you, you walk away going, man, I, that, that actually made really good sense. Maybe I've missed that. But if you start opening the word of knowledge, you'll begin to see scripture is really, really clear. And Christianity really has become about what do we think about this? What is cultural? What is real? What does God really expect? Because we're trying to be Christians without knowledge. And you can't. It can't happen. You could have knowledge and be like Christ, but you can't be like Christ without knowing him, his word. In fact, you, you, you end up with hyper grace churches or you end up with, you know, like law, hyper law churches, fallen leaders teaching opinions and preferences instead of truth. So what, what is Paul's remedy for that with knowledge? What does he say in verse 16? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell in you. He doesn't say that you should sit in church and that's the goal. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's got to be in you, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. And he goes on there for a few verses. Listen, so uh, I would say this. 
and I use this as an illustration a lot. You could use a, like a, a long john, like a cream-filled long john, uh, or a hot fudge cake, uh, or, you know, th- there's, certain, there's certain things that would be like, you know, I really want that really bad. But here's what I would never do. I don't think. I'm probably I'm probably not going to eat hot fudge cake off of a dirty garbage lid. Probably not. <laughs> so, my 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 point in that is that Paul is telling us to put on things, and in my you know, my visuals is that a lot of times Christians try to put on things on top of their garbage lids because we're not putting these things off. We're just trying to put things on. We're trying to put on holiness on top of idolatry. We're trying to put, you know, like, like good speech on top of nasty speech, like trying to put good, good new thoughts on top of old ways of thinking. So it's really important to understand that if you want all that Christ is, you got to put it off before you can put it on. You got to take it off and it takes practice. That's why he says you got to, it takes practice and it doesn't take just knowledge. It takes knowledge and practice. It takes prayer, but not just prayer. It takes prayer and practice. Practice, 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 practice. And the more you practice and some, some Christians want to sit and soak but instead of sitting and soak, we need to sit and then practice and figure out. You say, well, I'm not really good at sharing my faith. Well, then practice. Well, I'm not really good at getting up early and reading the Bible. Well, you need more practice. I'm not really good at speaking love to my spouse. Well, then you need to practice. I'm not really good at this or that or the other. Well, then you need to practice because this is Christ-like character that we're talking about. And it's being formed in us. And knowledge isn't the goal. Knowledge isn't the goal. Knowing what we should be doing isn't the goal, but putting it on and practicing it is the goal. Otherwise, it's hypocrisy. So changing of our habits and our practices, it's about newness. And listen, don't get this confused with salvation. This isn't a salvation issue. This is a Christ-like character issue. It takes practice. And lastly, verse 17 I'm going to end kind of where I started. And I wrote this down. And if you want to write it down, you, you can. It really helped me. We spend time looking for fruit instead of watering the root. Your goal isn't to inspect the fruit, your fruit. Your, your goal is just to make sure the roots stay watered. Fruit takes care of itself. But you better start watering the, the root. Because if it's not getting the word of God, there would be no fruit. And you just sit and wait and looking for fruit. But... Your roots are dry. The fruit will come when the water runs. Hey, how's that? And I specifically believe that Lord gave us that today. Verse 17, in closing, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. How much, how much of this does he really mean? Well, let's look. Whatever you do in word or deed. I mean, what else is there, right? Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I mean, this is what really separates the entire discussion from self-improvement to God improvement. 
is we change our dedication. What are we truly devoted to? When we change our our vision, when we change our mindsets, when we change our instincts, when we change our habits, when we change our knowledge and begin to make it applicable in our life, we begin to change our practices and we give all these changes to the Lord, we'll begin to see him so much more obvious in the way that we live. And we'll be, find ourselves on the path to truly becoming like Christ, which is the goal of our life. Let's stand together. You may be here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, I didn't say that you don't know him. I've said his name today a few times. That's not new news to you. You've heard his name before. I'm talking about pledging an allegiance to Jesus Christ, making a commitment to him. And, And you're dissatisfied with what the production of your life is i mean and, and you know you you're faking everybody else out but but you know that there's no hope in you there's no peace being formed in you that there's dissatisfaction with the direction that you're headed and you know you know that you keep putting this off if you're here today and you are not following jesus christ i beg you today would you would you say yes to him will you give your life to him and allow him to begin to form perfection in you to to allow him to form himself in you and to give you hope and to give you peace and to give you forgiveness and to give you grace and to give you mercy for every day. Or maybe you're here and you know that you're just going through the motions and you've allowed the world to create all sorts of distractions and you've got reasons after reason after reason for not becoming more like Jesus. It's something you're always going to get to but never seem to. I want, I, want us just to, I want us just to be honest today and just to be able to give all of that to the Lord. What, I mean, you know better than everybody else does. You know if you see Jesus in the mirror of your heart. You know that. And you can fake everybody else out, but you know that. What is it that keeps getting in the way? What are the obstacles? just becoming stagnant in growth, knowing enough to be saved, but not enough to be holy, saying yes enough to find salvation, but not enough to be formed to be like Christ. So today, I just want us to just, just pour our hearts out before the Lord. And if you need to accept Christ, I ask you, if you would please come. I want somebody to be able to pray with you and show you the way to life eternal how to no longer be slaves to the old self, how to walk in freedom in the new self. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your word and your kindness to us, the gentleness, your gentleness that leads us to repentance. And I just pray blessing upon all those that are in this room this morning. I just pray your favorite would go with us. I pray that you're holiness would be, would bear itself out in our lives. I pray that our marriages would be, would reflect your love. I pray that our homes would reflect your grace. I pray that our neighborhoods would would radiate with light. And I know that the, the time in the world is coming to an end. And I know that for such a time as this, you have put us together. And I just pray, Lord, that we would not be tripped especially over our own feet, 
because we're running to the end. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would give us wisdom, give us eyes to see. I pray that your spirit would provoke us and would prick our hearts, that we would truly be able to see Jesus high and lifted up and seated at the right hand of power. In his name we pray. Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.